0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Hey, what is up, Chargers fans? Uh, happy to be here today recapping the Chargers and Raiders loss. Unfortunately, the Chargers did lose, but Tyler and I are here In the Blue Wire studios, could not be more excited about the opportunity that we have to record in person again. A little different than the first time when we were recording in uh, Newport Beach House, sitting next to each other. Uh, But we're going to dive into everything that happened last night, recapping the Chargers and Raiders game. Uh, Alex is here as well, virtually. Alex, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm still here in my room, my normal space,
2: so I look like a schmuck, and these two guys look like they got a billion dollars on them, so... Uh, congrats on
1: the new studio, even if it's only for one episode. <laughs> yeah, man. Happy to be here. Tyler is here as well. Tyler, how are, you doing? how are you doing today, man?
3: You know, Alex may look like a schmuck, but at least he didn't spend $500 <laughs> to watch the Chargers lose to the Raiders and miss the playoffs.
2: <laughs> you win some, you lose some. Yeah,
1: absolutely. You know, it's an exciting day for us as a podcast, right? Being able to record here in studio. Uh, can't thank Blue Wire Podcast enough. And before we get started, I also want to give a shout out to Joe Fernandez. Uh, who was kind enough to let us sit next to him, had a great time uh, chatting up with him. even gave us a ride home to our hotel uh, after the game because he didn't want us to wait for an Uber with everybody. So uh, big shout-out to Joe Fernandez and everybody that was there. Um, That being said, we have to dive into this game. Uh, Chargers lose a heartbreaker to the Raiders 35-32 in overtime, one of the crazier games that I've ever been at. Um, And before we dive into everything, right? I know there's going to be a lot of negativity, and as always, we're going to start with kind of just our general takeaways. Uh, And I'd like to start with some positivity, and to me, really the biggest positive takeaway from last night is Justin Herbert and the way that he played. Arguably not his best performance in terms of statistics, right? but just the way that he played and the way that he willed this team back to even be in contention to win that game. Uh, Tyler and I both looked at each other after he threw that interception to Casey Hayward, and we thought that this game was approaching blowout territory, that this game was going to really get away from the Chargers because of the way that they were playing on offense, special teams, and defense, You know, not being able to stop the run and everything like that. So um, to me, yesterday was obviously about more things, but from a positive standpoint, the way that Justin Herbert just continued to battle and battle and battle and bring this team back to have a chance at the end of the game is the biggest positive takeaway. Perhaps the only positive takeaway, (laughs) uh, but, you know, Justin Herbert just continued to be impressed by the way that he has played throughout the season. Uh, Obviously set more records for the Chargers, more records for the NFL, and uh, just can't wait to watch him continue to grow. Uh, But I thought he played fantastic last night.
3: Yeah, for him to not even have like one of his best games and still come away with almost 400 total yards and three touchdowns and only one interception in this game. Yeah. And that's not one of his best games. Not bad. I mean, the guy finished with the seventh most uh, total yards as a quarterback in NFL history in what was supposed to be his sophomore slump season. So I know it wasn't the best game from him, but it was a really solid game from him overall. And in the end, he carried this team. He was six for six on fourth down. He had 106 yards and a touchdown just on fourth down alone, which I think is incredible. I think it just shows that this offense, the plan that they had for the offense going into the year, and the goal that Staley had to make the offense as good as it possibly could be in year one. I mean, this is Herbert, say, Herbert said before the year that he was drowning in this playbook, mm-hmm. and we still think it's kind of bare bones, very basic, not a whole lot to it, and he still put up, you know, 5,400 yards, <laughs> 41 total touchdowns, and this is the playbook he was drowning in just the base level of everything. Next year is going to be incredible if they can get him a defense.
2: Yeah, no, I thought Justin Herbert was awesome in this game. Uh, It was just great to see him kind of will himself back into it, too, because there was that point in the game where he throws the interception to Casey Hayward, and you're thinking, oh, this is going to be a disaster. And that's when I I tweeted the game was over, 29-14. I was just like, this Mm -hmm. doesn't seem like one the Chargers are going to get back into, and then, you know, they get the touchdown drive, the overturn, and suddenly they have life. Drive down, get another touchdown with no time running. Um, and yeah, I mean that was all on the back of Justin Herbert to me. Um, I think you could t- talk about the other pieces on the offense and guys who contributed. Uh, Mike Williams was, uh, I think, good in stretches of this game. Yeah. Maybe try catching the ball with two hands at some points, but <laughs> uh, overall, a pretty pretty good effort for him. Uh, you had Austin Eckler early on, who I thought you know brought a lot yeah. of juice to the game too. Uh, and so, yeah, no, I mean the Chargers' offense is kind of. Did what it was supposed to do for the most part and it was a lot of looking at the defense um and they just did not have the wherewithal to kind of withstand uh the overtime and I think that showed when Josh Jacobs was just kind of running easy. uh the Chargers run defense is still the Chargers run defense unfortunately Raiders won the coin and the big ball game
1: yeah you know you, you obviously there were a lot of people talking about the overtime format again as there always are but Uh, To me, the Chargers had a chance to win this game largely, you know, behind the efforts of Justin Herbert. I mean, the Chargers called uh, 72 pass plays in this game, essentially completely abandoning the run and just saying, uh, all right, Justin, go win us this game or we're going to lose. And, you know, that's been Brandon Staley's mantra throughout the season, right? Excuse me. Uh, You know, he, he wants to put the game in the hands of Justin Herbert. He wants Justin Herbert to be his playmaker. He thinks he's one of the best players in the NFL. He thinks he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And Justin almost pulled it off, man. Like, it was insane. We're sitting there. The Chargers are driving towards our side of the stadium. And it's just throw after throw after throw. And, you know, Justin is overcoming penalties. I still don't think that the ineligible man downfield on Matt Flyler was a legitimate penalty. You know, the defense is, is like Alex saying, you know, getting shredded for the most part. You have the special team stuff, which largely had not been an issue until yesterday for the Chargers because of Andre Roberts and Dustin Hopkins. but. Um, I think, you know, overall, just the theme of the season for Justin Herbert and the Chargers' offense really is just kind of overcoming in-game adversity and bouncing back. Like every single time that the, the Chargers needed him to bounce back, he largely did that. And so I, I loved watching Justin Herbert play this season. Uh, definitely some things that the Chargers need to tweak going forward around him. But, uh, you know, for the most part, Justin Herbert's second season in the NFL, uh, to me, was a big success. Huge
3: success, and nowhere is it more apparent than against uh, the Raiders last night. Storm Norton now takes the NFL lead, unfortunately. (laughs) pressures allowed. We were screaming for any right tackle, any upgrade somewhere. They did not do it. I think it honestly cost them the playoffs at this point. But Justin Herbert, (laughs) you watch him throw. You watch him get up, and he is dirty. His his jersey is green and muddied and gross, and the guy is barely pulling through. Some people say he got hurt on that one particular run. I wasn't quite sure what came of that. But that throw to Mike Williams, to have that throwing power and that pinpoint accuracy in a clutch moment on fourth down, that was like his 61st pass uh, drop back <laughs> of the yeah. game. And he was still able to make that play in that moment. The guy is incredible. The Chargers are set up for a long, long
2: time. Yeah, I mean, uh, if anyone had any doubts about Justin Herbert, I, I guess coming into this game, which is, I guess, what's the matter with you if you hadn't been <laughs> watching the last two seasons? I uh, and I think they were answered. I think even people who weren't as high on Herbert uh, prior to the draft in the national media, I, I think this was the game that kind of really ended it and was like, well, this dude's top five. Um, you know, if you're trying to kind of make your list of, of guys, quarterbacks in this league who are franchise, you know, true difference makers, uh, he has to be there now. Uh, and so that was the best part uh, of the game last night. I also think while well, we're still on the topic of positives, uh, the one defensive positive for me before we talk about the defensive and negative, Mamosu. Uh yeah. he showed up and had a lot of juice every single play, uh, did have some penalties late. Uh, that, that sort of got him into trouble. Uh, but overall, I thought that was a great game from him. Just the the energy to kind of continue. To run, Also step up in the run defense in a big way. One of the only chargers who step up in the run defense. Uh, so
1: got to give a shout out to him as well. Yeah, absolutely. And you get four pressures and a sack from Nwosu, and he led the team in run stops with five. Uh, I believe he had that one pass breakup as well. So Nwosu played a fantastic game. Uh, unfortunately, one of the few defensive players uh, to play a fantastic game. So uh, good stuff on Justin Herbert. I want to pivot now and talk about Brandon Staley. Every single national <laughs> media member is talking about Brandon Staley today, talking about the timeout, talking about the fourth down decision. Uh, Tyler, where do you want to start with some of your critiques uh, or criticisms of yesterday's performance from uh, Brandon Staley.
3: It's not even just necessarily a single game issue, it's just an entire season issue that also reared its ugly head in this game. Where do you want to start, unfortunately, I understand that they were missing plenty of players, or excuse me, that they did not acquire as many players as Brandon Staley would have wanted. They clearly committed to the offense in this past offseason in the draft. But, man, as a defense and as Staley as a defensive coordinator, it was kind of a failure as a defensive coordinator. And I hate to say that it's not like he didn't try. You know, as Arjun pointed out, the guy who works at Pro Football Focus for us, they increased their blitz rate. The stunt rate has increased, I think, 5% for over last year. Yeah. They are one of the most uh, varied and multiple defenses. They show the most different, unique coverage schemes in the NFL. So it's not like Staley isn't trying. And I acknowledge that, and I acknowledge he doesn't have the players that he wants. But it's been a failure. And it, it reared its ugly head last night. We'll talk about you know anything you want to talk about. Third down defense, which is still the worst in the league, reared its ugly head. I mean, you see the, uh, the Vikings game. They needed to stop third and twenty six give up 24, Dobbin Cook then converts, they kick a field goal or whatever, and and ice the game. Broncos. it's third and 10, Teddy Bridgewater hobbles onto the field, and they're like, do you think they're really gonna chuck it downfield? No, it's gonna go to Javante Williams, either as a (laughs) run or as a screen. And no one's around Javante Williams, right? So all those plays, and then he gets it last night, and it rears its ugly head. Third and 23 draw play to Jalen Richard where no one's even near him. You know, on third and 10 from the Raiders 49, Moreau goes for 44 yards. And then you know, basically, the play of the game in the end was JS Shot Jacobs, third and four, and he gets a 10-yard game. Third down defense, it was just bad. And unfortunately, yes, I'm like I'm acknowledging that Staley does not have the players that he needs, and it's a scheme change and everything. But there's also just appears to be bad execution by these players. It, it just could be coaching. You weren't seeing it as much with Braun Miles last year, but the Chargers are fourth in yards lost to DPI this this season. They have the seventh most DPIs called against them. They have the most defensive holding calls called against them, and the most yards lost to defensive holding as well. And they have the third most missed tackles in the NFL this season, Jeez. only behind the Jacksonville Jaguars and Detroit Lions. <laughs> you don't want to be around those two teams for no, many things. Definitely not. Um, so not great overall. Unfortunately, you know all those things showed up. the The penalties showed up. Uh, we can d- agree or disagree with the calls on some of those penalties, right? That sure. one to, on Chris Harris was questionable at best, but you know third on defense bad all year bad last night the the penalties bad all year bad last night Missed tackles bad all year bad last night. So unfortunately Yes, it was just one game, but it shows really where they struggled all season
2: Yeah, I felt like a lot of the discussion on Brandon Staley in general was about uh, obviously the fourth down call on the 18-yard line it was about the timeout late in the game but I felt like when you boiled it down to why the Chargers lost this game, it was because of Brandon Staley, the defensive coordinator, as opposed to Brandon Staley, yeah. um, the coaching decision-maker. Um, now, I did not support going for fourth and one on the 18-yard line when you're down three. <laughs> right? Uh, and I, I thought that they should have just punted there, regardless of what the five analytical models say that you should have done. You're down three, and the Raiders haven't really been moving the ball. I think you give it back uh, and then just play on. But... Uh, and, and then you talk about the timeout. We'll, we'll talk about that more in depth. I don't think the timeout really cost them anything because the Raiders were still going to run a play and the Chargers couldn't stop Josh Jacobs. Uh, and that was the story of the game there. Uh, but yeah, like Tyler said, I think the most concerning thing is him as a defensive coordinator going forward. I know there's been some talk about like trying to bring in maybe someone who's experienced, uh, like yeah. a Vic Fangio or... Brian Flores, who is fired um, weirdly now today. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so there's been talk about, like, getting somebody like that and taking the play, play calling out of Staley's hands. But to me, I mean, we hired this guy to rebuild the defense and rebuild the defensive culture of this team sure. after Gus Bradley. Uh, and, frankly, he played a better defensive game than he did last night. Um, I'm not Bradley's better overall as a defensive coach by any means, um, and as Steven has pointed out, his you know style is kind of more, much more simplistic than what Brandon Staley tries to do. Uh, and I think he has the more conducive talent to winning at this point uh, for what his scheme is. But there's not a lot you can say about just like, hey, the run defense was bad the whole year, and Staley had the summer to kind of like pick the game to do that, right? And Kenneth Murray, I mean, we talked about, you know, he wanted Kenneth Murray really. And Kenneth Murray was playing really important snaps in that game. Uh, mm. I mean, you kind of can go through like the whole list of players and personnel decisions, but it does fall on Staley. A lot of it falls on Telesco in the previous coaching regime as well. Sure. Um, but you know, this is kind of going to be put up or shut up time for, for Brandon Staley now, as we head into the off season and, There'll be a chance to get free agent personnel on defense, to get uh, draft class personnel, right? They'll have all of that cap space, all of that capital that we've been talking about and we've been talking about 2022 as the all-in year. Uh, and now it's time to show it off. Uh, of course, we'll have like two months to talk about it and then it will <laughs> actually happen because that's how the off season works. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I it was not Brandon Staley's best moment, not his best game. Uh, and frankly, it was concerning just how overwhelmed he looked, uh, and maybe it would have been understandable if it was like, yeah, that's John Gruden, but he was overwhelmed by Rich Pisaccio. Uh and I, I I think that that's kind of the most concerning thing about last night when you talk about the coaching differences between the Chargers and Raiders.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's, you know, obviously we were at the game, we're in the two hundred sections. You know, it's tough for us to look at Brandon Staley, you know, from that far away and see if he's overwhelmed or not. But um, to me, you know, after the Denver Broncos game, like we, we talked about the personnel decisions costing them that particular game. And I think we, it cost them to a degree in this game, too. You get Kenneth Murray back from injury. He's an edge rusher. He's a linebacker. He's a hybrid player. Last night, he's your dime third down linebacker. And after the game, Brandon Satie says that they felt like Kenneth Murray is their best coverage linebacker on the team. Like, that's just wrong to me. And so you're asking Kenneth Murray who is doing all these things, filling all these different roles, still trying to figure out his life in the NFL as an NFL player, what he's good at, what he's bad at. And you're asking him to do all these different things, and then you're taking out Kaiser White, Drew Tranquil, for Kenneth Murray on third downs, as Tyler pointed out. You know, the third down defense has been bad all season long. And I think that was a huge factor in it. I'm not going to say that playing Kenneth Murray cost them the game, right? Like, Kenneth Murray is a very talented player, But he had a brutal, brutal night. He gets a 28 overall grade from Pro pro Football Focus. And, again, PFF grades are are largely subjective, and and there's a lot of gray area there. But 28 seems generous to me. Like, it was bad. Missing tackles, flowing all over the place after Marcus Mariota. That awful defensive pass interference play. Uh, There was a play when me and Tyler were looking at each other like, why is Kenneth Murray in the slot against Zay Jones? And sure enough, Zay Jones gets open. He's wide open in the end zone. I think this was late in the first quarter when the, the Raiders were up 10-0. And Derek Carr just missed him. And if Derek Carr did not miss him, then the Chargers are looking at a 17-0 deficit as opposed to a 10-0 deficit. So uh, personnel issues to me have been a problem all season long. Um, you know, Aside from Brandon Saley trying to figure things out in terms of managing games as a head coach, um, you know going all in on Kenneth Murray in the final game I don't know if Drew Trangle was healthy or not, but Kaiser White was Kaiser White has been playing well all season long In the roles that he had for Kenneth Murray last night. So that was puzzling to me and, and You know among other things that Brandon stated he did yesterday, but the personnel decisions were just odd You know there was a, a point in time when Asante Samuel jr. Was off the field Taylon Campbell was in the game so Um, You know, we can talk about the in-game decisions, but personnel decisions to me were just as puzzling, if not more puzzling, than the decisions that Brandon Staley made on the field. It was was nearly coaching about practice Um, to have Kenneth Murray out there.
3: I don't think all season we've seen a linebacker matched up against a receiver deep like that. All year, it's something we yeah. made fun of Gus Bradley for, <laughs> all year long. All the years we've been Chargers fans, and even into you know during this season, we'd watch Raiders games, or I've watched Raiders games, and I'd make fun of the Raiders. You know, and my dad, who is a Raiders fan, would sit there and go, "Why the bleep is this person on that receiver deep?" Like, well, that's a Gus Bradley special. Yeah. Would never expected Brandon Staley to do that, and not just have a linebacker on someone like Zay Jones, who isn't maybe the best deep threat, but to have Kenneth Murray out there on that linebacker frequently was very very puzzling i just think i would think that staley was beyond that and for the raiders who are pretty depleted at this point to be able to scheme that open frequently against the chargers and this defensive genius is is very troubling i mean i I don't know what to say about kenneth murray i understand if he's in there and he's rotating with drew tranquil sure he's coming off an injury that's completely fine i understand that i think they were trying to play you know the odds and play to next week. Get Tranquil involved, but don't run him into the ground. Make sure he's healthy for the playoff push that now is not going to happen. But there's moments where you see Murray in the game, and and Tranquil standing on the sideline, no problem. And Murray subs himself out, and then Tranquil comes in, jogs in, no problem. Like they had no urgency to get Tranquil back in the game. Yeah. But then, look, if he's if it's Murray and White opposite each other again, we understand that. That's how they started the season too. As soon as number nine is the only linebacker out there in the middle. Yeah. I think not a single Chargers fan was, A, at all (laughs) okay or happy with that decision. Murray has been practicing at edge. Like, I get, okay, beginning of the season, if he was your starter and healthy from week one all the way to week 17 and into week 18, you're like, okay, he's going to be our dime linebacker. That's fine. But he has been hurt or out or on the COVID list, and he's been playing edge. He's been yeah. playing edge and practicing at edge. So now in the most important game of the year, go, you know, win or go home, you're putting in a linebacker who's not your best coverage linebacker, who has not been playing linebacker, who's been on the covid list, you're putting him out there over the other linebacker who's a free agent this year, so what are they going to do with him? Not quite sure now. Mm-hmm. But Kaiser White has had an at least an all-pro sort of kind of year honestly should have made the Pro Bowl, which is a fan-voting thing. It's a whole other story. To take him off the field and to reward, you know, Kaiser White by taking him off the field in favor of Kenneth Murray, who is not a better blitzer. He's not better in coverage. He's not a better tackler. He's not better at getting tackles for loss. There's no numbers that say Kenneth Murray should be on the field. And so I'm, I'm ashamed of this coaching staff, and in particular, Staley, for saying, hey, we believe in analytics. We're going to be a smart football team. Oh, but also... Let's put a guy who has not been good at linebacker, who hasn't been practicing at linebacker, who isn't statistically better than the other two guys we have. Let's put him on the field. And how did it look? Like a disaster. Every Chargers fan could have told you that. But the Chargers did it. The Chargers and Brandon Saley, they went with it. Any Chargers fan could have told you that was a bad idea. It clearly turned out awful. The coaching staff, no problem.
2: Yeah, and I think we talked a lot about sort of how the defensive, uh, well, we talk about a specific defensive lineman and how the coaching staff wants to play uh, him over people due to draft position and maybe a certain GM. Uh, So we've talked about that a lot and and how that works. And so for Kenneth Murray, this being his first real healthy game back, uh, I guess, after a couple weeks on the COVID list, uh, injured kind of in and out of the lineups. And you know, coinciding with goal kind of coming off injury himself, I, I just didn't understand why Kaiser White didn't play more in this game. And, and it reminds me a lot of the discussion around Jerry Taylor, Eden Fajoko, uh, which is like one guy is just getting played more because certain people in the front office and certain people in the coaching staff like him more. Uh, and unfortunately, it's kind of the same thing last night where it's like kind of round pick, so we have to play him, we have to get something out of him. But Kenneth Murray has never been better than Kaiser White no, um, no, this no. season. Like, and so you just need your most important run defender, your most important coverage linebacker uh, in the game. And and the fact that he had set a career low for snaps yesterday it is just mind boggling, or, or uh, season low, I should say, yeah. for snaps. Like, I, I just understand how that happened and how that decision was made throughout the week. You know, it would be one thing if it was if Kenneth Murray played so much and it's like, oh, well, Kaiser White, he's out with COVID and Tranquil's hurt. Then I would have understood, but Kaiser White was fully healthy and he very clearly should have been the linebacker one for this game and he just wasn't. So that was one of the just most puzzling decisions about this game. Um, you know, everything you can chalk up to the Chargers just not having the requisite talent in some areas, but they just made some unforced errors on their own team. Um, and and that's the most yeah. concerning thing. You can talk about how the fact that, yeah, we probably shouldn't be playing a 30-plus-year-old Chris Harris uh, on Hunter Renfro and track time. Yeah. Probably shouldn't have the defensive line that we have. It's subpar. But the Chargers just kind of, I don't think, I think there's some of these decisions uh, on in the linebacker room, some um, in the defensive line, and it, it cost them last night big time. So, yeah. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do going forward. And now, I, yeah, I think Tyler brings up a good point about Kaiser White. How does the organization view him after what's been an objectively very good season? Yeah. And now are they going to move forward with Kenneth Murray still as linebacker because of draft position and because he played a lot last night? Uh, a long offseason, a lot of questions to answer, but last night was indicative of a problem that we've heard from in the organization
1: and people in the organization sounding the alarm for a while. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. We, we've also heard that Brandon Staley really likes Kenneth Murray, and he mm-hmm. really likes Jerry Tillery. Um, but, you know, just going back to kind of an underrated storyline about that whole thing, you know, after the game, he was asked about the timeout, which we can get into right now, and he said that he wanted his best run defense mm-hmm. in the game. Mm-hmm. And his best run defense was not having Kenneth Murray on the field. And, you know, Emmanuel Alcho and all these guys are criticizing Brandon Staley for not having Kenneth Murray on the field. <laughs> it's like, he should have been doing that more often. You know, you get this player who's been a liability all season long off the field in favor of a certain package. You get five players, you know, along the defensive line. Ideally, you get penetration. They did. Joey Bosa was in the backfield and freed up Kaiser White to make a play. Kaiser White read the play wrong, and so did Nasir Adderley. So, you know, that decision to me was, it was fine, you know, if you're more comfortable with a certain package in the biggest play of your season, then take that timeout, get that package into the game, get Kaiser White in a more comfortable position to make a play, you want Linval Joseph instead of Kenneth Murray in that game, great, I probably do too, so I have no issues with the timeout that he took, I know, uh, obviously we didn't watch the game, you know, we were at the game, but uh, apparently, Chris Collinsworth was just reaming Brandon Stathie for taking a timeout there because uh, the Raiders were presumably going to run out the clock, and that changed their strategy. Uh, you know, I call major BS on that thing. I don't think that the Chargers calling a timeout empowered the Raiders' offense to suddenly find that extra gear and not take a tie. I think the Chargers' bad run defense gave the Raiders the <laughs> the opportunity to find that extra gear and, you know, win the game, so... Uh, I have no issues with the timeout at all because I felt like it was the right thing to do. You want to get the better players out there, the better personnel package out there. And unfortunately, sometimes the other team just makes a play. You know, Brandon Fajuka points it out on Twitter. Everybody in the NFL is getting paid. And that includes the Raiders offensive Mm -hmm. line. That includes Josh Jacobs. And all the Chargers had to do was get a stop. And, you know, Brandon Staley said after the game he wanted to force the field goal to be as long as possible. And, you know, they couldn't get that stop. so. Uh, You know, I said after the game on the Blue Wire Twitter page, you know, to me, the timeout was more about not executing Mm -hmm. than just taking the timeout.
3: Yeah, I don't understand the The discourse surrounding this whole timeout
1: no timeout sort of thing.
3: Everyone the entire game was going, get Kenneth Murray off the field. (laughs) Don't put Kenneth Murray on the field. He's bad at run defense. Staley calls a timeout, gets Kenneth Murray off the field. And everyone goes, why did you call a timeout? Why did you take Murray out the field as your best defender? He's your linebacker. Why did you put a... Like, you could really tell who's been paying attention this season, like Amina Kimes, for example, yeah. you know, who knows about, you know, about Murray, about Adderley, and about the, you know, a lot of these defenders, and who just kind of showed up and saw, oh, you know, this guy was out and this guy was in. Bad call. I actually take more exception to the, the notion that the Raiders actually would have played for a tie. Yeah, You're too. telling me that this, like again, I know everybody hates me for this on, on our, our podcast. I grew up a Raiders fan, not by choice, but by birth. There's no way the Raiders, that organization that loves to be the villain and they embrace it and have always embraced that with the Chargers in front of them and the ability to knock them out of the postseason on the night they're honoring John Madden. There is no way the Raiders would go, oh, we're going to tie now. <laughs> Yay, everyone gets to go to the playoffs. That's not the Raiders. That shouldn't even be the Chargers, but that's definitely not the Raiders. Yeah. It's so the idea that they were like, oh, we're going to go play for a tie. We're all going to go to the postseason together. No, I don't buy that for a second. And I believe if they had tied, they would be playing the Chiefs next week. Yeah, they'd the no? seventh seed. Why would the Raiders want to play the Chiefs, who I think have outscored them, 90-something to 20-something the last two times they've met this season, none of that makes any sense to me. This whole discourse around the timeout is ridiculous. I I wish we never knew that tying could have advanced a team or or changed seating or whatever, because no one would have cared otherwise. I mean, it just looked like a team was driving, they got their first down, they kicked a field goal, they won. That's it. That's really all that happens. Uh, This whole discourse about how Staley outcoached himself by pulling his worst run defender off the field Is ridiculous. I I hate that we're even discussing this.
2: Yeah, the problem with the timeout is that the Chargers' best run defense is still bad. Um, (laughs) Yes. That's what happened on that play, and Josh Jacobs got 10 yards. Um, But, yeah, I I didn't really understand the discourse about the timeout at all because it it was third and four. They're in the shotgun, so they're either going to throw it with Carr or they're going to run it with Jacobs. Uh, And Brandon Staley, you know, pretty much sensed it was a run, yeah. I'm going to you know switch it up here, um, and also I'm pretty sure he explicitly did under 40 seconds. So that in theory, if the Raiders wanted to take the tie, they could have kneeled it there and the game would have been over. Or the Raiders don't convert on that third down, and then they're faced with you know a potential 59-yard field goal, or are they going uh, and, to and you know kind of finish it off there? So really, I don't think you know it, it was all about that third down play. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't. A- out and the Chargers just didn't execute on third down on defense. Um, I, I think, in theory, if the Raiders don't convert there, then there may have been some serious discussions about taking the tie um, because then, you know, you're looking at a 60-yard field or whatever. It, was. it would have been a deep attempt, uh, and then you're putting the Chargers potentially in full range with whatever amount of timeouts they had left at that point. So uh, you're sort of playing with fire, but uh, I, I didn't think under any circumstances on third down, they were just going to kneel the ball. And they very much showed you they weren't going to kneel the ball because, again, they were in shotgun formation and (laughs) Josh Jacobs was right there. Like, they very clearly were going for it. Uh, So I I didn't understand the discourse about the ball. Speaking of Chris Collinsworth, um, you guys are so lucky that you at the game because he brought up the tie like 40 times and <laughs> he time that he brought up the tie he would pretend like he didn't do it before and like it was a new topic to the game because <laughs> i think al michaels came in from halftime and was like oh these are the scenarios and chris collinsworth was like yeah oh we should talk about the tie and al michaels is <laughs> like i literally just mentioned the tie." <laughs> he was so fed up with it uh, but you know i uh Um. No, the the Raiders weren't playing for the tie there on third down. They were going for it. Chargers just couldn't stop it. Uh, And to me, I don't don't understand. There's so many more things Staley did wrong in that game that, to Mm -hmm. me, that's like 45th on the list.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a totally fair comment, right? And, you know, the, the tie thing, you know, we've made a lot of fun of Carson Wentz and the Colts this year on this podcast, particularly because Alex is part Eagles fan. And I hate the Colts for making that a possibility. <laughs> like, you couldn't beat the Jacksonville Jaguars? Come on, man. So, uh, that's another thing, too. Like, we're all here. Everything is doom and gloom on Chargers Twitter. But, like, we could be Colts fans today. Like, it could be much worse today. Uh, you know, silver lining for sure. But, I, you know, I think a lot of people took uh, Versace's comments and really ran with it. Mm-hmm. But, to me, like, his conversation with the stat, with his staff about potentially going for the tie, that doesn't happen – while Brandon Staley is calling the timeout that happens while the Chargers are about to kick off after they scored after they kicked that field goal you know the the Raiders are not going to sit there with this amazing rushing offense or at least that's how the Chargers made them look after all these run plays and be like hey you know what let's stop handing the ball off to Josh Jacobs and let's just kneel down right now and tie so i, I didn't buy that at all maybe he said that to his staff for sure but if that happened That happened before the drive. Um, I want to talk now about the offensive line performance because Mm -hmm. this was another group that is uh, being very much maligned today. And, you know, really hats off to Max Crosby. He now leads the league in pressures, Played an awesome game. And he was just in the zone, frankly. And there were a couple times, you know, when the the game was in a timeout, you'd see, you know, Max Crosby is just hyping everybody up. And you could tell that he just had – that mode today, or last night, excuse me. And there was one play in particular, you know, he's rying up the crowd, and even as he's in his stance, he's like, you can just tell that he was about to just go destroy Storm Norton. And sure enough, he did. He bull rushed him, put Storm Norton on his butt, and then went and hit Justin Herbert. So Max Crosby played awesome. I know that there were a lot of people that were like, why wouldn't you put Trey Pipkins in? Why wouldn't you put Matt Filer in? The problem there is that the Max Crosby avalanche of pressures – didn't happen until the fourth quarter and overtime. So you're not going to sit there in an NFL game in the fourth quarter and put in Trey Pipkins or switch your entire offensive line and put Matt Filer from left guard to right tackle. That's just not how football works. That's just not how you make adjustments. Could they have done a better job of helping him? Sure, absolutely. But at that point in the game when you're down by two touchdowns, you need all your receivers in routes. You need to just – Frankly, trust Storm Norton to not blow the game. And he almost did. But, you know, to me, putting in Pipkins, moving out fire, it's A not a possibility. And B wouldn't have changed. You know, uh, Max Crosby, like I said, just in the zone, he was gonna destroy whoever he was lining up against. I wish it was Rashawn Slater. I really do. I wish that the Chargers could just change football and allow Rashawn Slater to follow (laughs) Max Crosby around the line of scrimmage. That would be awesome if they could invent that new rule. But Norton, Pipkins, frankly, Brian Bulaga, I think, probably gets destroyed in that game as well. So uh, I know everybody's really upset about the 11 pressures and two sacks and eight hurries, and uh, I think seven other times that Arjun said Crosby beat Storm Norton. But, you know, that that was going to happen to Pipkins. And like I said a couple weeks ago, after Pipkins played well against the Broncos, he's still a backup. He's still like a fourth tackle, swing tackle at best. So uh, I don't really have any issues with, like, That specific thing again. I wish that they would could have helped him out more. I wish that they could have run the ball more. Mm -hmm. But at that stage in the game, when you're down by two scores, you have to turn the ball over to Justin Herbert and say, "Go get us back in this game, or we're just not going to do it."
3: Yeah, my my biggest criticism with the Storm Norton situation is that I only went back and watched the first half. I really don't want to watch this whole freaking game (laughs) anyway. But I went and watched the first half and. The Raiders on, see, so Joey Bosa had 15 pass rush attempts that were actual like pass rush attempts, in not the first a speed pass. What's that? In the first half. In the first half. Yeah, excuse me, in the first half. And Joey Bosa was double or triple teamed on nine of those 15. Yeah. Storm Norton had one play where he had help in the first half out of 16. And that's before they had to, you know, go fourth quarter, million fourth downs, you know, spread it out and all that. They would, could have been balanced. It could have provided help at that time, and he had help on one of those 16 pass rush uh, pass blocking reps that he had. To me, that's not good enough. I don't know how much they could have done. I mean, I saw them moving McKitty and Anderson around the line of scrimmage, but when it came time, you know, Crosby, he was feeling himself, and it's because he knew it was just him and Norton for 70-something pass blocking reps. Was it 72? 72. Yeah, Norton versus Crosby for 72 pass blocking reps. I mean, that's just, that's not fair to Norton. And, you know, the Raiders had a better plan for stopping Bosa. Bosa still kind of got his. But Crosby, man, he just tore up Norton. It was ugly, but they weren't really helping him. So uh, that's my biggest criticism of the game plan for protection. It just didn't look like they were giving him any help, and it clearly didn't work. Last night, Arjun texted us that you know these numbers were uh, changed, and they're, they're not official until this morning. But last night, he texted us that Crosby got nine pressures and beat Norton an additional eight times. So there's something like 17 wins there that may have changed this morning.
1: At least, yeah. But
3: 17 wins there. You could have helped the guy out a little bit more. I don't know if you recall what the protection plan was last time. They're clearly and likely missing Donald Parham at this point. But they could have done something a little bit better or potentially run the ball more. You know, Herbert was playing well. Their quick game looked okay. The run game was working in that first half. But Man, they really he really could have used some help this game.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data,
2: Well, and I think that's also detrimental to why they got into that 29-14 hole, right? Because once you go down 15 points, like, it it sort of took the option of running the ball off the table for the most part uh, compared to what they were doing with Austin Eckler in the first. Um, So I I think that was a problem. As far as the offensive line, I really want to say Trey Pipkins would have been different. It's different ways of, you know, circling the drain. Like, (laughs) nothing would have changed. Yeah. I think even if, like Steven said, even if you throw healthy Brian Balaga out there at his age, you know, with the injuries he's had, I don't think it would have really been too much different. I don't think he would have allowed 11, but um, the fourth quarter was just uh, hell to when it came to of Norton because he mm-hmm. was just backed up like every time and it felt like, I felt like I was watching Justin Herbert throw some incredible ball, and I'm like, oh, is it going to be a back? to Norton holding penalty? Because <laughs> it looked like every rep he was trying to hold on for dear life yeah. uh, against uh, Max Crosby. So I think the result would have been the same either way, whether it was Pipkins, whether it was Norton. Um, you know, we talked about Brian Balaga. Like, that injury, uh, I think, really is why the Chargers are where they are, in a way, uh, in addition to a myriad of other reasons. The fact that they didn't really have much definition at right tackle since week one, uh, and they didn't have a, a, a true, you know, bona fide right guard, uh, since Ode Ibushi left in the, in the previous Raiders game with the torn ACL. Um, that's really been their dilemma uh, on the offensive line all years, trying to help that right side. That right side got blown up by a really good defensive end. And so that was the story of the game. Uh, not sure there's much else the Chargers could have done in the, to really help Storm Norton, and obviously, like Steven said, Donald Parmi I think as a blocker it did not help at all. So uh, uh, the Chargers go from here. Whether they're going to try to go to right tackle in the draft, go to free agency, there's a lot of ways they can go, uh, but clearly that was arguably their weakest spot uh, of the game last night.
1: Yeah, you know that was obviously the the key matchup that I had selected, you know, heading into the game. And in the first matchup against the Raiders, I felt like the Chargers had a good plan against him. I felt like it was a balanced attack, but they also had a positive game script. Mm-hmm. So they were winning. True. They were up 21-0, to and so you can still run the ball at that point. You can still help out. You can still chip. You can still double. And, you know, one thing I went back and... I, one thing I noticed when I went back and rewatched that first game <coughs> was that Ode Ibushi was excellent in helping out Storm Norton. Mm-hmm. You know, you could tell that there was really a concerted effort... A bougie to say, okay, first I'm going to make sure my assignment is sound. If my guy's not here, or if Corey Lindsley can take him, I'm going to go help Storm Norton. out. and again, you know, I'll, I'll watch the film from last night and see if that is the case. But when you're down multiple scores, you are essentially throwing out everything. Like your game plan is completely gone at that point. And so part of that is is understandable. You leave Storm Norton on an island, and you know. He was trying hard, man. Like, that's really all you can say at this point. You know, you're on an island Yay. against. Mac- <laughs> Yay. I know, he did man. It. But you're on an island for 72 pass blocking snaps against Max Crosby, who could be first team all pro defense or, or second team. You know, we'll see how that one pans out. Um, so that just is, is like pure hell for an offensive lineman. But, you know, this was an issue the first time because I felt like the first game was the worst protection plan that the Chargers had had mm-hmm. all season. You know, there were three or four times when Yannick Ngakwe or Quentin Jefferson or, or Darius Filen had a free rush on Justin Herbert in the first game. And then in this game, you know, it was just Max Crosby is better than your guy, and, mm-hmm. you know, unfortunately, we don't feel like we can do it. And so, um, you know, there were times where I just felt like the Chargers decided to, you know, we're just going to go empty – we're going to try and get quick passing game going and give Storm Norton some opportunities that way, but at, at some point, your NFL offensive lineman has to hold up, and he couldn't, and so um, some of that is not his fault. Some of that is, obviously, but uh, you know, I, I continue to get this same comment on Twitter. They should have tried something else. There's not really a whole lot you can do when you're down by two scores, frankly, uh, and you're trying to do a must-win game, and so... I thought in overtime, probably you can run the ball a little yeah. bit more. You know, the, the rushing numbers for the Chargers were honestly really good, at least in terms of the outside runs. Um, inside runs were getting nothing. But Austin Eckler, 16 carries, 64 yards. Justin Jackson, three carries, 20 yards, 6.7 yards a carry for Jackson. I thought maybe in overtime you could have done a little bit more there. I think Tyler said you only they only had the one run for Eckler. Um, who, that's another positive of the game that you want to talk about. Shout out to Austin Eckler, man. Mm-hmm. 20 touchdowns on this season. Uh, had a huge, huge year. But um, again, when you're down two scores and you have essentially said, Justin is going to win us this game or not, I don't really know how much you can do from an offensive line standpoint uh, with Storm Norton.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I also think the reality of it is that you sort of had the right side not playing per, uh, particularly well. And you also had, or, the way the Chargers have formatted this is while Schofield and Norton are on the field, they basically have to have Slater, uh, Lindsley, and Filer play a perfect game. Yeah. And they didn't play a perfect game yesterday, right? Um. And that's not all all on them, right? I think Rashawn Slater mostly lost early and then kind of recovered later in the game. Yeah. Uh, after the first quarter, so you know, but Darius Filon was getting there pretty consistently. Um. You know, kind of beating Corey Lindsley a little bit a couple. Uh, Matt Filer didn't look, and so when those guys that are supposed to look great don't look great, and you have these two guys that they're supposed to be helping on the other side of the line, um, you know, it'd be a problem. So basically, any Chargers lineup that has Schofield-Norton in it has to have perfect offensive line performances elsewhere, uh, and so that's really what, what, just what I thought about the whole offensive line game plan.
3: Yeah, after that Mike Williams, see, where is it? That Mike Williams pass for 47 yards on fourth and nine, which is still insane to me. <laughs> you know, at that point, I think they could have put the game away in the same way that they put the game away last time when they played the Raiders, which was basically, we're going to run it to the left. We're going to do it with Eckler. We'll do it with Rountree. Rountree was inactive this game, but you can do it with Eckler and Jackson, who the numbers look good. Pretty sure Filer and Slater and Lindsay are still good run blockers. At that point, it was first and 10 at the 27. All you have to do is get a touchdown to win. They run it with Eckler for four yards and then it's just pass again, pass again, field goal. And at that point, you know, with Justin Herbert's 60, you know, third and 64th pass attempt, like give the guy a break a little bit. Those running backs, I mean, Eckler was out there on on third down and and pass blocking and whatnot, but you could have had Jackson out there. I'm sure Norton would have loved to go forward and block somebody. I'm sure most of those guys Uh would love to not hit 73, 74, (laughs) 75. You know, pass blocking reps, I'm sure they would have loved to go forward. The numbers looked good. It's the way you beat them last time. It's how you put the game away. It's kind of been your identity the last couple of weeks to be a good yeah. rushing team too. And they just kind of went away from that. And I think at that moment, I would have loved for them to lean into the run game just a little bit more because I think they could have put the game away if they had run it a couple of more times. I understand giving it to Herbert. It worked. It was working. But, like, he's on pass attempt 60-something. <laughs> These linemen are super tired. Allen's tired. Williams is tired. These guys are barely getting off the turf. Yeah. Hand it to the running backs that are fresh.
1: Yeah, it was it was honestly kind of crazy looking at what was happening on the game. Like, we were looking at Andre Roberts, who barely plays on <laughs> offense, and he's out there running routes in overtime for the Chargers because they're just so gassed. You know, there was one point when Mike Williams is running in a route, and I think the Raiders had called a timeout, or there was a review or something going on. And he just fell to his knees and Mm -hmm. was on the turf for like 10, 15 seconds. So, uh, you know, credit to the receivers for really leaving it all out there. I thought Mike Williams, like Alex said, left a couple uh, opportunities out there. Um, But, you know, nine catches, 119 yards, and a touchdown. You know, they don't make that comeback attempt at all without Mike Williams. And uh, of course, Justin Herbert, you know, leaving things out there for sure. But um, I would have liked to see them run the ball a little bit more, like I said, especially in overtime. And, and you know, you mentioned just kind of what's happening there. It, it's really tough for me to justify not running the ball, especially in overtime. Um, and I, I have to say, too, you know, going back to Brandon State a little bit, I was surprised that they kicked that field goal. And, mm. you know, I, mm-hmm. I, I believe it was like fourth and five at the time. Uh, fourth and six. Fourth and six. And this is, again, maybe you're just kind of gassed at that point. Um, but I thought that, that was one that it was the decision that Brandon Sadie could have made to go for it. You know, I know a lot of people were surprised that he didn't go for two at the end of the game, as well. Um, so I don't know what happened there. I don't know if that that was being discussed or not. But um, I definitely was surprised that he didn't kick the field that he did kick the field goal, uh, especially after Dustin Hopkins had missed earlier in the game.
3: Yeah, I mean statistically they were you know six for seven on fourth down and six and six with Herbert and yeah. so. All they could do was move the ball on fourth down, so them not going for it, I guess I could understand. I mean, in theory, their defense should be really fresh and they should be, you know, good to go, and they weren't really playing all that much. I'm sure the Chargers had the ball for almost 40 minutes to end that game, it felt like, between the the final drive and the overtime drive. Uh, Did I tell you that they had 93
1: offensive snaps?
3: Oh, (laughs) jeez. They played two games worth, bless them. But, um,
1: yeah, I, it, it was just it
2: was so weird to just see the, the defense. We were like, OK, completely fresh overtime, time. Josh Jacobs, 30 yard run. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. like, oh, yeah. immediately like clockwork. And, you know, that's what cost them in this game. Um, you know, I, I think by, by the end of that game, it was just clear. Mike, Will Keenan Allen, Jalen Guyton and all those guys were just running around doing all kinds of. I mean, this is the first game or of first season <laughs> uh, where they played a 17 game, right? And so, you know, these guys have experienced a a harder workload than they really ever had before, and uh, I I don't know what more you could expect. As far as the decisions, I sort of think think that they really should have gone to um, at the end. Like, if you're going to justify going for fourth down from your team, and you're going to justify, you know, the other fourth down calls as well, if, if your team is kind of physically and mentally exhausted, I just say go for two and try there and you know you win you win you lose you lose uh and if the chargers had lost there then you know staley would have gotten the hardball comparisons yeah uh you know from the later weeks of this but i mean there's already tons of people second guessing him anyway and i don't really really cares what people think about him uh and and you know his and how he coaches like he's just gonna do uh what he thinks is right um to me it just felt like an inconsistent game where, yeah. you know, we sort of talked about this in Houston as uh, well, where there were some of these old conservative calls right after the Kansas City game uh, and the reaction towards that. So uh, I don't know if the Chargers would have won the game if they went for two at the end of uh, the regulation or if they would have gone for fourth down and, you know, converted a touchdown to win 36-30. I don't know what happened. But um, it just felt inconsistent in different parts of the game. But, you know, you also do have to adjust for the fact that the players were exhausted uh, and just dropping <laughs> dropping dead on the field, um, yeah. you know, tired after that game. And so, um, you know, uh, obviously it changes a little bit later than the first quarter, second quarter play calling.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point, Alex. And you pointed that out on uh, Twitter as well. Just kind of, you know, I mentioned the resiliency that this team has played with. I think the inconsistencies have also been a huge storyline throughout the season and and I totally understand the frustrations today on Chargers' social media and on Twitter and how everybody is, you know, the, the team missed an opportunity to have Justin Herbert and the rest of this team have their first, you know, most of the players' first trip to the playoffs. And so I, I totally understand the frustrations. You know, Tyler and I were, were up until midnight kind of talking about things last night, and, and it sucks. Like, the way that they lost sucks. But... You know at the end of the day for me like this is how I'm looking at it I think I still trust Brandon Staley and this coaching staff I have to kind of take the silver lining here and look at the big picture and look at all the little adjustments that they have made throughout this season to get them to this point and trust that this very smart presumably very smart coaching staff are going to make adjustments heading into next year they get more cap space they get more draft picks hopefully more talent on defense and so I uh, I'm hopeful at the future of this team. I think with Justin Herbert, they're always going to have a chance with the way that he has performed this season, you know, passing Dan Marino for most touchdowns over the first two seasons is no small feat. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I believe in the future of this team. It just it's a tough day to be a Chargers fan right now. And I totally get that. But I am definitely not calling for heads to roll at this point. Um, You know, at the beginning of the season, if you had would have told me that they would have been nine and eight and battling for a playoff spot until the very end of the season, I probably would have taken that. Probably wouldn't have taken the way that that happened. You know, losing to the Texans and losing to the Raiders in the last three weeks. So uh, again, I totally get the frustrations, but at the end of the day, I think we have to kind of look at the positives going forward. As much as nobody really wants to hear that, Um, but I think this the future of this team is still bright but it sucks. Today is a tough day to be a Chargers fan for sure.
3: Yeah, no, today completely sucks. Last <laughs> night we were up and we're like, is anybody going to go to bed? I don't know. Can anybody fall asleep? At some point we had to because um, we just passed out, but uh, it was really tough because we had this. The Chargers had this. Yeah. And as much as, I'm the kind of the opposite. As much as I do want to look forward to the positives, and I will, I'll pick them to go, you know, 17-0 next year or whatever. <laughs> but, We just watched this with Philip Rivers, it feels like. Yeah. You know, this feels like some Norv Turner ball some sort of days where it's just, let's get 4,500 yards and X amount of touchdowns, be one of the best offenses in the league because Rivers is just carrying this team. We're checking it everywhere. And our defense is bad. Oh, our special teams lets you down. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, everything about this team was so positive, even after the Kansas City game where it's like, okay, we get Derwin James back for real instead of being there for 20 plays or whatever it was and we could maybe beat the Chiefs, or we get uh, Rashawn Slater, and we have a shot. Then they lose to the Texans, and then the way that they lost to the Raiders, not just to the execution, but also the personnel decisions, I don't know. There's, the coaching staff, is real, the, my confidence in this coaching staff has taken a real nosedive over the last couple of weeks. I do trust them to get it done. I think they can do damage in the playoffs, uh, even with the roster as is right now, if they had made the playoffs, I think they could do damage. But I, I don't know. I, I'm getting a very same old Chargers vibe, even with different people. Like Everything was changed. Everything was changed. And what happened? They got nine wins, just like they did in McCoy's first year, just like they did in Lynn's first year. That's crazy. And now, again, nine wins again, and they could have had 10 with the extra game. But they did not and here we are. But fortunately, all the draft picks, to you know, get more Joshua Kellys and Larry Roundtree's <laughs> Come um, on, man. And Kenneth Murrays, and you know, <laughs> well,
1: you we haven't even hit, we haven't even hit draft season, and you're already going to talk about Josh Kelly, Larry Roundtree? Come
3: oh on. well, you know, it's been our running joke all year. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I, I'm cautiously optimistic. I'll just say that much.
2: Yeah, yeah um, I, I think at the point about the record because if you just told us that they were nine and eight, ten and seven. seven Evidence, that's all we kind of predicted going into the year, right? right? But I think it's how the team looked and how they looked some weeks and how they didn't look some other weeks, right? And this was the same football team that just showed up every week and took care of business, whether that resulted in a loss and the process was at least good in every week. I feel like we would feel different about them, but it's the fact that you could have something like Houston come right after the Kansas City game. And the fact that you could blow out Denver and then have something like the Raiders game happen, right? Um, Or, you know, uh, just kind of like further in the schedule, you could have that, you know, amazing win against the Raiders the first time and then lose 34-6 to to Baltimore, right? Or was that after the Cleveland? No, that was after the Cleveland game. Um, So, you know, there's just kind of those moments where this team just didn't show up the same uh, and sometimes it looked really great. Uh, and last game was a microcosm of the whole season, right? Like you have that 15-point, you know, quarter where the Chargers get right back into it. Um, Justin Herbert looks phenomenal. Mike Williams is balling out in overtime. Everyone's going crazy, and still are like, oh, we have Storm Norton as our right tackle, and we have all these other issues on the team. And we have you no. Know, Uh, The secondary being the secondary, we have the run defense getting gashed, right? So um, this also goes back to, like, the 4-1 and start, right? Because we were pointing out some issues that existed in the easy half of the season. Or, sorry, no, the difficult half of the season. And now we were in what was supposed to be the easy half of the season. um, And, shockingly, the Chargers played more playoff teams now than back then. Uh, So this team was kind of... I don't know. It's hard to say whether the season was a success or a failure here in general, it was a success, but we're just kind of sitting here, you know, like Tyler said, with some of the same old chargers vibes um, and kind of do or die time for, for Brandon Staley and Tom Telesco, I think to really correct some of these issues into 2022 and, and put the proper team around Justin Herbert that we know can exist in theory. So uh, we'll see what happens going forward, but, you know, said after last night and the inconsistency from game the season uh, i think my confidence in Brandon Staley has kind of gone from like nine to like seven um you know that's just sort of how i feel in this but we'll see how the off season plays out and uh yeah
1: yeah i think that's uh a well said i think that's a good place to end today's show um, again, can't thank Blue Wire enough for letting us do, uh, have this opportunity. You know, Like Alex and Tyler have said, this is the most important offseason I can remember in, in Chargers franchise history. They have to get things right around Justin Herbert uh, and ensure that this team is a playoff team next season. So we'll, of course, have all of that covered for you guys. Uh, honestly, kind of excited to jump into all the draft stuff and free agency uh, conversations. And so we'll, uh, we'll have everything covered. We always do, uh, I feel like, a good job of covering the draft, so we'll, we'll get to that point uh, shortly. So uh, that's going to do it for us today, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for all the support. And, again, thanks to uh, Blue Wire Studios for having us out today. We'll see you next time.